Welcome to Meet the Neighbor. I'm Laura Tamayo. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Thank you, Gerda, for joining me today. My pleasure, Uh, Laura. So I wanted to start with a little exercise. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to listen to any of the other episodes, but I love this exercise and people tend to have a good time with it. I would like to know if I were to start curating a museum, I'm going to make a museum that's all about your life. What would I find? Ooh, what would you find? Well, and I can tell you anything, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's your museum, sure. (laughs) Okay. So there would be definitely many rooms and all different colors. And there would be a room for peace. There would be a room for joy, a room for laughter, and a room where I let go of everything and anything that does not serve me. There would be a room for connection because I like to connect with people and I like to talk and understand people from different walks of life. And definitely there would be a a place where I can go within, get to know myself more, so that I can connect better with other people. And there will be also a place where I get to be in joy, have fun, laugh, and play with others. Nice. So can you give me an example of something that I might find, say, in the connection room? Oh, yeah. In the connection room, two chairs, a table, so that whoever I'm talking to can sit and be with me. So you would find definitely something that they can, they could have a drink. (laughs) And also something, we have a table, so we can sit facing each other. Mm -hmm. And it's very, it's bare. The rest of the room, there's not much thing because it's all about the two of us connecting in that moment. So would it be a big room or a small room? It would be a big room. Ah, Lots of space. Yes. And now the fun room. I have to know what's in there. (laughs) (laughs) The fun room. Let's see. Coloring books. (laughs) (laughs) Coloring books. Yes. In the fun room. There would also be like a toy or something that you can play with. There would also be books so that you can read. What else would make it fun? Oh, games. That's one thing we would find there. Like board games? Board games, yes. We would find music, because I love music. What kind of music might be playing in there? Oh, different kinds, depending on the mood. Classical music, hip-hop, Haitian music. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yes, because I like compas, which is a music, a type of dance from my country. We would find that there. Um, definitely a stereo because we need to hear music, big space so that we can dance. What kind of board games did you like to play? I'm wondering what would be in there. That's funny because in my childhood, we didn't play like a lot of board games. I learned as I was growing up in, when I came to Canada, we have chess, we play chess a little Mm bit. There would be also games like taboo because, you know, uh-huh. charade, those kind of games. Those would be the games that you would find there. Oh, well, I would have fun uh, in that room. I love Taboo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So very cool. So how did you have fun as a little kid? 
Oh. What was your fun? My fun was to play with my friends. So we would be running, skipping rope. That's one thing we did. There's a a game we play, but I don't know how to say it in in English. We play Marel, which is you had to skip between two. It's like an elastic band, and you would be playing within like. <laughs> it's, it's funny to say, but we played we played that game as well. I think I might know what you mean because in Mexico has something similar. It's actually kind of like an elastic band. To you've got two people on each side, just like jump rope, right? Yeah, and they're stretching it out, and so you've got yes. two strips, and yes. you're having to jump around. Exactly. But the trick is, you can't, you know, step on the That's actual. It. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I played that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you played that. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah, it was so cool. Well, actually, we called it resorte, but it's a, yeah, same game. It was fun. <laughs> and of course, you know, going back bicycling that we did, and playing together, talking, okay. having fun. Yeah. What kind of things made you completely lose track of time when you were little? Were there moments that you can remember that you just, things you loved? I used to love playing with clouds, you know, like lay down on the grass and look mm. at the clouds on a windy day, you know, if you kind of are really still and stare up at the clouds on a windy day, it kind of felt like you were floating. And mm. I could so lose track of time doing that. Wow. I loved it. Yeah. Was there something like that for you? No, I can tell you, I remember in Haiti, Mm -hmm. when it's Christmas time, like every child, we have the things you put on the cake. It's not candles, but it's like you put it on the cake and it it just, it's a different kind of candles, but it's not candles. I don't know how to call Mm -hmm. it in English. We used to have that. So Christmas, the children, we run around with it (laughs) and that stays with me. And on Saturday morning, we would go hiking. Every Saturday morning, we would go hiking. And I love that. On Sunday afternoon, we would go to the beach. And I love that. Those are the things that we did when we were in Haiti. Wow, I'm very curious of these non-candles. Were they Um, toys? Were they edible? No, 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 no. You know, it's... And we use them here. Like, you know, you put it on cakes when somebody's birthday. Mm Mm-hmm. Instead of regular candles, you have to light them, right? And once you light them, mm-hmm. then they just fizz out. <laughs> oh, Roman candles. Yeah, they're the sparkles. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah, that's good fun. Yeah. So for <laughs> Christmas, we, we had that and we would run around. <laughs> and, and I remember that even to this day. This is one of the things that I loved. How long were you in Haiti? I was in Haiti up to... 10 years old. So I came to Canada when I was 10. What was that like? I mean, the change. Oh. Did you have an idea of what Canada would be like, first of all? More or less, because we've heard of stories that it was supposed to be cold. But since mm-hmm. we've never experienced cold, I did not know what cold would have been. <laughs> I didn't know what, what you know, snow. What, what is that? I know it was white, but that's mm-hmm. about it. So when we came to Canada, we came to Canada and we came in a snowstorm. Oh, wow. Yes. And I remember we landed around one in the morning and we were tired because we had left Haiti the day before at nine o'clock in the morning. And so from January 25th, nine o'clock, we left Haiti and then we stopped in Miami and then because of the snowstorm happening in Canada and, you know, around, I guess, 
we couldn't leave right away. So we had, we stayed there for about six or seven hours in Miami. And then after we took the plane and then came to Canada. So we came at around one in the morning. My dad was already here, well, in Canada, mm-hmm. because we landed in Montreal. And he came with some of his friends and they came and they brought coats and boots <laughs> and hats <laughs> and mittens for all of us because it was my mom and the five of us. And one thing I remember when we landed and the snow was still, you know, falling. Mm-hmm. And I remember my I could see me, the little girl, sticking her tongue out trying to catch the snow. Yes. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> that was a great memory. But yeah, that must have been quite a surprise. I mean, you went yeah. from a sunny, warm day to yeah. all of a sudden it's pitch dark and there's snow. Yeah. Yes, and you should have seen us in our colorful, <laughs> our colorful suits. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, <laughs> your happy Caribbean wear and now. Yes. <laughs> oh oh wow. my gosh! And what did you think of Canada once? I mean, because I guess you arrived in Montreal. Presumably, you stayed the rest of the time there. Or did you move around more? Yeah, yeah. No, we stayed. So we arrived on January the twenty-sixth, and then on February the fourth where we were living, we lived in a duplex Mm -hmm. and (laughs) that building was on fire. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what happened is as children, we were playing with the phone. So we were playing, calling people and then hanging up as soon as they, you know, answered. Uh And my my mom said, well, I'm going to call the police. And of course we were afraid of the police. Right. So, but we still, we keep on playing with the phones and calling people and And suddenly we heard that, you know, the knock on the door and we thought that the police was coming (laughs) and we we didn't want to to open the door. And Uh, so they kept hanging, you know, they kept knocking and knocking. And finally they said, you know, this is the the fireman. You have to get out. So we got out and a neighbor took us in that night until my father's friend came to get us. <laughs> so we moved again. And did and everything did... burn down, like all of your things? Yeah, I can still see myself in my pink outfit <laughs> oh. <laughs> going outside. <laughs> it was, uh, yes, yeah, we lost everything. And then so we moved uh, with one of my f- father's friends for a month. And then after that, we moved again to where we would we would stay for a long time. Yeah, starting over again. Wow, that's a yeah. lot of starting over. So that year we moved from, I moved from Haiti to Montreal. And then on February the 4th, then we moved to my father's friends. And then from March, we moved to another, well, still in Montreal, but you know, to another apartment. Mm. So I wonder, do you think it was easier or harder that this happened just as you arrived? That's a good question. I think that I have learned to just adapt without even going through my emotions. I think that's what I've learned to do. (laughs) Thank you for asking these questions, because to me, it's like, okay, well, this is what's happening now. What do I need to do in order for me to adapt to it? Because 
what you need to know is that when my dad left, my dad left first, okay, so that he could come to Canada and to prepare for us. When he left, we only knew the day that we, he was leaving that he wasn't coming back. Because at that time, he was not supposed to say that. So people would not know. Mm. So we only knew the day he left that he, no, he's not coming back. He's going to be in Montreal, in Canada, because they didn't say any, you know, he's going to be in Canada. And then he's going to see if he can stay so he can prepare for you. That's when we knew. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> you know, like I, I've learned as a child to go with the flow and adapt. All right. So then for you, the house burning down was just another event that you were like, okay, well, exactly. we're not living there anymore. And next. yes. Huh. Wow. Well, yeah, I suppose a lot of adjusting really early on. Hmm. Yes. Who are the important adults in your life? I mean, you've got your dad, of course, he took off my dad, my mom. Canada, and your mom. My um, mom. Were there other adults in your life that shaped you? My grandmother. Mm. Where we lived in Haiti, we lived in a house where my mom, my dad, my grandmother, and we had, we also had two maids who lived, they had their own quarters. <laughs> That's the way we called it. They mm -hmm. had their own quarters, but they lived with us. And so those were the people that were part of my family. When my dad left, so now it was my mom and my grandmother, the two maids, and the five of us as children. And then once that happened, then my mom, she became sick. So my grandmother took over as the disciplinarian in the family. <laughs> and I became the rebel. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which one are you of the five? Are you in the uh, older, middle, younger? I am the second. So my dad had two children before, but my, <laughs> my, my dad, before he married my mom, he had two children before. So one being my oldest sister, she lived with us. The second did not live with us from my dad. So mm -hmm. I am the third from my dad's side, but I am the first from my mom's side. Ah, all right. And the rebel. And the rebel. <laughs> and the rebel. against <laughs> grandma. <laughs> was your grandmother yes. very strict? My grandmother was very strict. My dad was very strict. My mom was in the middle. Like she, she talked to us a lot. Like she allowed us to be open and to have a conversation and to say what we needed to say. And that was my mom. My dad was also the disciplinarian. He's caring for us. He's always cared for us. He made sure to always make sure that we had a food, that we had clothes, that he cared for us in that sense. My grandmother took over when my mom got sick, so she became the, the other disciplinarian. All right. And what were the women that worked in your home? What were they like? Of course, we talked to them. They cared for us in terms mm -hmm. of... One of the things in Haiti is when we went to school... At least one of them, they would brought us lunch. So you leave to go to school in the morning and you leave with your lunch box that has food for you when you are in recess. But during lunch, one of them would bring us hot lunch so that we can eat. Oh, nice. Even to this day, it's hard for me to have a sandwich for lunch. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't always have hot lunch. The, the way I grew up, we had hot lunch 
there was a day we even called it hot lunch. We'd say, "Mom, it's hot lunch today, right?" Because it was oh, okay. the day that they would serve us hot lunch at school um, okay. in one of my grade schools. And so we, we loved it just because it was hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, yeah. It's in Haiti, that's what we were accustomed to. Now, coming to Canada, it was different. What, how'd you feel about school? Because it must have been quite different. I mean, probably different schooling system. Now, you already spoke French because you're Haitian, but I'm assuming the French probably wasn't the same either. No, definitely not. I was lucky enough to have a teacher who was from France. Mm -hmm. So I spoke with her and we understood each other. But it was hard for me to understand my classmates because the French was very different than what I'm used to. That made it a little easier for me because of my teacher. Mm -hmm. And how about adjusting to the school system? Was it very different from Hades or, you know, similar enough? Well, different in one sense. In Haiti, I had skipped two grades. But when I came to Canada, they put me back one grade because they said that I didn't speak English. So because of that, so they put me back one grade. But the rest was basically the same. It's only because of the English. That's, mm. that's why that I had to go down one grade and so that I can learn. Sure. And then everything else was pretty much the same, I would say. So same school system, you were lucky, yeah, because sometimes you change countries, you change school systems, the credits aren't different, the, the requirements for each grade change, and so it's a little bit more of a, a little more complicated, but it sounds like for you, it was actually the same, right? Yeah, because I think all of us, we adjusted pretty quickly, because in Montreal, is also French, right? So because of that, I think it made it yeah. In, for me, I didn't think there was a problem anyway. So, What was one of the things that you remember struck you as that you really liked about your new home? I don't know if I, if there was things that I can't say that I liked so much, especially not in the beginning, because I felt like in Haiti, we had a lot of space. Mm -hmm. I felt like we had space. There's so many things you can see. We went for walks. We went, you know, to, there's different, and it was structured in the sense that you go to school, there's recess, then, you know, there's classes, and then there's lunch, and then there's classes again. And then, you know, then you come back to school, you study, and then you have dinner, and then you prepare to go to, like, it's very structured. Then I find that in Canada, although it's the same, but it's different because especially when we didn't know too many people, my sister, she made a lot of friends. I pretty much stayed by myself because I like to read. I read a lot. I love books. So that was my companion. That didn't mean to say that I didn't make friends. It's just that I considered myself a loner because I observed a lot. And that's how I get to know people. Mm. And so you're yes, just more comfortable me, like, with your books. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> my sister, she's, I remember when we were going to school and we were walking to school, my sister mm. left home before me and she stopped to, to, to go and pick up all her friends. So by the time that I get to school, my sister is coming after me. <laughs> because she, <laughs> That's the way it was for her. Yeah. And for me, I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to school. I go to school. I left, I left the house and then I went to school. But for her, it was like she left the house. She has to stop at this house to pick up this person and another house. And then, and then by the time they, she 
got to school, there were about like 10 of them. (laughs) (laughs) So she was a little more extroverted, just made friends really, really fast. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was different for me because I was more of an observer Mm -hmm. of people and things and situations and experiences than I am someone who makes friends right away. Like I can appreciate some people very quickly. I can like them very quickly, but I'm an observer. Yeah. What are some of your favorite books? I'm a reader too, so I love knowing what people like to read. Well, I'll name you a few. I love The Shack. I love the Bible for the different stories that there is in it. And Mm -hmm. I understand there are certain things like I read in the Bible. It helped me to cope with my everyday life. So Mm -hmm. for me, the Bible is the book and The Shack It's like the way I see life, when I read that book, it made total sense. Hmm. Okay. There's the fact. There's an author that I really love, and his name is Khalid Hossein. He wrote many books, but one of the books that he wrote is And the Mountains Echoed. That was his third book. Oh, I like the title. Yeah. Oh, he's the one who wrote The Kite Runner. Okay, yeah. That was his first book. And then I think the second one was A Thousand Yellow Suns, or that one was my favorite. And then the third book was And the Mountains Echoed. Well, I think I've got to read a couple of those because I read The Kite Runner and I didn't read the others. So, yeah, maybe I'll go and catch those other two. Because The Kite Runner is mostly the story of a little boy, right? So Mm -hmm. the the other one, And a Thousand Yellow Suns, I think that's the, the title, it's about the story of a woman and that it really resonated with me. Really loved his book. There's many books that I've read. So I'm trying to see yeah. what else I can tell you. But No, no, no. That's perfect. I was just curious to kind of understand some of the books that you've loved. My books are also my friends. I mean, I do have a lot of friends too, but still, <laughs> I, what, I understand what kind the of feeling. Books do you like? Yeah. Oh, I like all sorts of books. As a kid, I um, Little Women was actually one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. I've read that book over and over. Actually, years later, as an adult, a friend of mine gave me, um, let me borrow one a book from, you know, he, he said, hey, you've got to read this book. It's beautiful. And the title of it is Momo by Michael Ende. And okay. I, I loved that book so much. I thought it was so sweet. So, yeah. And I, like, I love historical novels. Ruska was one of my favorites by Edward Rutherford. Oh. Yeah, and I also read London by Edward Rutherford. So those kind of books really, yeah, I guess I also have a lot of different kinds of books that I love to read. But those are a couple. Those are a couple of ideas of things that I enjoy. I'll have to check him out. <laughs> yeah. So then tell me, you're growing up and you're in Montreal and it's time to finish school. You've got to decide what you're going to do. What's next? What did you do? So in Montreal, after high school, you go to college. And then after college, then you go to university. What's the difference between college and university, just so that I kind of have that clear? So college is really like what everybody does after high school, they go to college. Here in Ontario, we don't have to. Usually you finish high school, then you go to university. Mm -hmm. In Montreal, you have to go to college. That's usually it's either two years or three years. Okay. depending on what you take. So I took up languages. That's what I graduated in when I was in college. And the reason was because, first of all, I love languages. I love 
accents. I love the resonance. I love the cadence of when people speak and how they sound. I love it. So languages, I decided to go with languages. Now, I know you speak French and you also speak English. Do you happen mm -hmm. to speak Asian Creole or no? Yes. I, oh, nice. I, and I have also learned Spanish, but because mm -hmm. I don't practice, I practically, it's lost. <laughs> and I also learned German. Nice. So that's a good blend. So, of course, you're in love with all these languages. Did you start taking Spanish and German before college or was that a college? No, that was college. That was part of the college degree, the language. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had to French, English, Spanish and German. Those are the four different languages that we had to have. Okay. So I did that, studied that. But because I'm a very curious and I love people, the one thing I always took, I took courses such as psychology and philosophy, because for me, I, I love to understand people. What make them do what they do? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why are you this way? I will find right. out. Yes. <laughs> we can be two different people going through the same experience, and yet we choose different routes. Sure. I'm very curious about the human psyche and what makes us do what we do Especially when, you know, to like for us, five different children mm -hmm. living through the same experience, and yet we don't see it the same way. Yeah, of course. Especially, you know, in adult, or I guess in right? adulthood, we each go our separate ways and acquire all sorts of brand new experiences. And so mm -hmm. I think we... Um, we incorporate the story of our childhood into our yes. adult life in very different ways. So then yes. we gather for a holiday and realize, wait, <laughs> it's like yes. we lived in different homes. But no, we did exactly. not. We just really processed exactly. it very differently. Sometimes all of us, when mm -hmm. we have the privilege of being all of us together, all brothers and sisters together, mm -hmm. and I hear my brothers say, for example, my, bro my brother would say, when we were in Haiti, we were poor. <laughs> That's what mm -hmm. he would say. Mm -hmm. And me, I'm thinking, what? When we were in Haiti, we were not poor because poor people cannot afford to go to private school to start with. <laughs> poor people. Well, and they probably don't have to live in domestic helpers. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, it's very different. But for him, this is the way that he saw it when he was living in Haiti. We were always so very surprised, my sister and I, when we hear him say that. So different ways of seeing life. Although the same experiences. Yeah, for sure. Huh. So what languages did you guys speak at home? So with your siblings, just kind of you growing up with more than one language, I'm curious to know, was it more Haitian Creole and French at school or was it more French most of the time and Creole? What does that look like okay. for you guys? We spoke Creole with the maids and mm -hmm. we spoke Creole with my grandmother. Mm -hmm. We spoke French with my parents. <laughs> and we spoke French at school. And then with each other as siblings, what did you speak? It depends. We would speak French when we are in front of the adults, but mm -hmm. between each other, we would speak Creole. Did that change in Canada or was it pretty much the same pattern? I think it's the same. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious about that. <laughs> it's the same. We stayed like, you know, we between us, we speak. It's funny because in the same sentence, we could go from French to Creole, <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. You just code switch. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I'm probably growing up with these. And then you had to acquire English. 
and then of course you decide you love languages and you're going to go for the Spanish and the German. So now I'm curious to find out, okay, you go ahead and study these languages. Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do with that? Or were you just simply in love with the idea (laughs) of understanding, like you said, philosophy, psychology, languages, and just understanding how people function? It is so funny because I think my mom, she thought I would be a translator or interpreter, right? That's mm-hmm. what she believed. So because okay. of that, I went into languages. And then after finishing with the language diploma in college, I pursued German in university. And I also did one year of translation, English to French, and I didn't like it. And I know like, no, I'm not going to continue. Really, I would have wanted, and I wasn't accepted, and I I just let it go. But I wanted to be a criminologist because, again... Trying to understand how minds work. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that was my... I love the fact that, again, what makes somebody tick? Okay, so... But I wasn't accepted in criminology. So I continued with German in university and still taking a lot of psychology classes and philosophy classes. The thing that made a big difference for me, and it only not too long ago, about six years ago, soon to be seven, I studied life coaching. And that made perfect sense to me. It's like everything that I've learned before, it all blend in. When I learn spiritual life coaching, that made total sense. And that just kind of really fit in with who you are and everything you've been studying and the philosophy and the psychology. Okay, yeah. Yeah. When I started studying life coaching, mm-hmm. it felt like I found my reason for being. <laughs> oh, that's nice. A lot of people struggle with that, I think, finding something mm-hmm. that really mm-hmm. fits. You know, like I have yes. a lot of friends that have fantastic careers, but they also have something like a, a second side thing that they do, which is where they really feel alive, you know, (laughs) towards not that they don't like their careers, but it's not really their passion. It's not really what makes Mm -hmm. them come alive. And so they have this Mm -hmm. extra thing. So it's very fortunate when someone actually gets to blend the two. It's not an easy thing to do. And I don't think it's a common one. So you decided to go into life coaching. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been doing that? I can say for about five years. Nice. Oh, have even, your languages like served you? Have you been able to oh, use the fact that you, you speak more than one language? It served me in the sense that it helped me understand the nuances of how people think. That's what I can say. It, it really, the fact that I learn many languages, it helps me understand the different levels of how people think. I'm going to give you an example. I was at a meeting And we had to be in groups. So there were four of us and two of us were bilingual. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But one was more because this person lived in Montreal. So she was more French, although she spoke English, but she was more French. And at one point, the other two who were only English spoken people, they, they said something. And at one point, there was kind of a barrier <laughs> and because they were discussing something. And I was listening to the two of them discussing what they were discussing. And I thought, huh, that is so interesting. Because right, that one word, mm-hmm. Yes, one word made the difference. And that's why they could not agree because of that one word. Mm-hmm. And once I understood that, I said, well, 
here is where now we're getting, I didn't say stuck, but this is where, where now we are not talking the same language. When you said this word, the translation part of my French brain, mm-hmm. understand it to be this way. But now you're talking it in a different way. So that's why you guys are having the discussion that you're having. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Sometimes they are false cognates, things, words that just do not mean the same thing. But exactly. sometimes they're not even entirely different, but the emotional connection to each word is. Exactly. So you'll have one person thinking they're saying something very neutral, and the other person is basically triggered. You know, yes. <laughs> They're upset. Yes. And so yes. it's hard to listen when we're upset and hard to move forward because you think you're being offended when that's not the other person's intention. Knowing other languages helps you understand those reactions. Right. And now if we're talking about spiritual matter Mm -hmm. (laughs) and part of the spiritual matter is also our own emotions. And when we are not able to make sense of the emotions that we are going through or we are experiencing in the moment because this emotion is attached to something we have experienced when we were children, that takes on another level. So because I understand this, the nuances of all that, that's why I am able to explain or even ask more questions to guide the person that I am coaching in the moment. Oh, nice. That's got to be satisfying work too, huh? It is. Because you get to really help people work (laughs) out there. When I am in that moment with my clients, I can tell you, I always say, I feel like I'm vibrating. That's how much (laughs) I get from the inside. (laughs) That's intense work. What's about like a really intense session? Your client goes off to go live their life and you've got to somehow work off this buzzy energy you've got going. (laughs) What do you do? What do you like to do? Yes. And that's why we, I have learned how to let go of what has happened in that moment. Because if not, you know, I wouldn't be good serving other people. Yeah, back to our museum, the letting go room. What's in there that helps you let go? (laughs) I always say that I would definitely have a punching ball. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think it's very important Mm -hmm. that we let go of our anger. Because anger, when we don't let go, we don't feel it and release it, then it has, it does something to our body and it creates, you know, sickness and it creates things that we are not aware of. So in that letting go, room of letting go, definitely a punching ball. That's what would be there because it is important that we let go of our emotion. We release them. And definitely there would be, you know, something because you are going to cry in that room Mm -hmm. as you are releasing your emotion. You are all, there will be tears. Tears and sweat. So maybe there should be a shower in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) There's also, how can I say, the sound doesn't go out because you don't need people listening to your business, but you are able to just scream and let things go. Oh, yes, it's a soundproof room. Right. Right. There you go. That's good. (laughs) Well, we're um, coming in, starting out 2020. Mm. And so all of us are kind of, we've uh, we've taken a look back and assessed 2019. And now we're looking forward and thinking, I've got a couple of things in mind that I'd like to work on. What are some of those plans that you might have for this year? Or even trips or just fun things that you would love to see happen this year? I feel like there's a lot of things that I am carrying and I don't 
even know how to explain the whole of it, but I feel like that I have built an armor physically. So I'm letting go of that <laughs> because 2019 has been a beautiful year for me, a blessed year. I've had many miracles happen and I want more of that. And also I'm letting go a lot of a lot of sadness because 2019 has been a year that I have lost a lot of people wow. and I have learned I have heard of many people passing, not necessarily people that I know and people that I know through other people. It's been a year where I've heard many, 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 many times. So I feel like that I, that I have a lot of sadness. And before 2019 is done, I am going to take time to release the sadness. And I will definitely take the time to understand and that's a word I like to say to understand the resonance of me <laughs> nice and now you did yeah. when I said trip you jumped you seemed very excited are you yes. going somewhere yes I am I am planning <laughs> to go on a cruise that's the big thing in July oh wow where are you going so, well, you know, yesterday, because we're going, the whole family, a lot of different families and friends, we are going. And one of the places we are going, we're going to Labadee Shores in Haiti, which I've never been mm. since I left Haiti. I've never been back. So this would be a completely new place for you or you were yeah. or you've been there as a child? No, that, that's going to be a new place because okay. I... I cannot tell you that I know anything about Haiti. What I know of Haiti is whatever I remember. That's about it. So this is one of the ports that we will stop at. Mm -hmm. uh, we will also go to St. Martin's, to Bermuda. And there's one more port that I can't remember right now. So ah, that's where this sounds going. beautiful. Yes. Oh, yes. I want your 2020. <laughs> that's yes. awesome. 2020, and, and I feel that for many people, I feel like 2020 is the year of healing. We are going to go through a massive healing so that we are open to the blessings that are waiting for us. Well, I definitely hope you're right. That sounds lovely. Well, thank you, Gerda, so much for hanging out and talking to me and tell me of, telling me of all your adventures <laughs> and the book recommendations. I so appreciate it. Yes. If you could actually make sure that you send me those recommendations, I want to put them in the show notes. That way, if anybody out there wants to grab some of those books, they can. Okay, perfect. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You can continue to get to know Gerda on Facebook at her page, Glorious Life Unfolding. There's more information for you in the show notes and on the show blog at meettheneighbor.com. Thanks for joining the conversation. Be sure to share in the comments. We'd love to hear your stories. Meet the Neighbor is produced by Tamagam LLC. Our audio engineer is Diego Velasquez. I'm Laura Tamayo. And my new friend is Gerd Felix. Talk to you next week. <laughs>